Have you ever thought that being an entrepreneur would be easier than this? For years, I've tried to break free from Rogue Warrior consultant life, only to return time and again in order to survive. What I soon realized is my own isolation and self-doubt was getting in my way, and that my biggest successes, my happiest moments, came through connections with people who cared about me. It's now my mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs like us to connect with incredible human beings who rise up higher together. We are not self-made, we are community-made. But the real question is, how will we do it? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on this journey as I interview top experts and entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. I'm your host, Jerry Kirk, and you are listening to the Community Forged Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Community Forge podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Kirk, and today we've got another amazing guest on the show. You know, trying to start and grow a successful business is definitely not for the faint of heart. There are so many obstacles on the path to success. And in today's conditions with the social distancing that's going on and you know, much of the economy like literally shut down with millions of people filing for unemployment, you know, there's many people who've lost their jobs and they're, they're now jumping into the fire really out of necessity trying to start their own business. And with so much on the line and, you know, with limited funds, to me, the big question is, you know, what should entrepreneurs be investing in right now to be creating a business that not only can survive, but thrives, right? That gives them that, that income and that, that purpose that they're looking for. Well, every, every successful entrepreneur that I've ever talked to, We've always spoken about how they credit their, the worth of their network as a foundation for increasing their net worth. Well, my friend Toby Brockner knows this too. He's a lifelong entrepreneur who I, I met through a, an, ex, an expensive high-end mastermind. And there it was filled with amazingly experienced and knowledgeable people. And for both of us, this community of people really helping each other was by far the most valuable part of this program. That experience in some ways inspired him to launch something called Repurpose Initiative, a crowdsourced training and coaching platform for small business owners. So today we're going to explore the power of community through Toby's own life journey and then discover why this, this, this thing that he's birthed called the Repurpose Initiative can be a game changer for anyone looking to start or grow their business. So please help me welcome Toby Brockner to the show. Welcome, Toby. Hey, Jerry. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Oh, it's a delight. I always enjoy uh, talking with you. You're, uh, you're, a, you're a humble guy, but you're a wellspring of, of thoughts and ideas. So, <laughs> um, called far worse, I assure you. <laughs> well, I'd love, to, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more. You described yourself as a, as a lifelong entrepreneur. And I know I've, you know, we've had conversations in the past about, about some of that. I'd, I'd love to step back a little bit and, and asking like kind of where, where did that start for you? How, how did your entrepreneurship journey begin? Um, uh, well, it, it, it started long before I was born um, with my grandfather. He, he was an entrepreneur, owned a uh, finance company down in, in Louisiana where I was born. And my uncle were, you know, my uncles were entrepreneurs. My dad's entrepreneur. It sort of just kind of ran in my, in my blood, so to speak. Um, I remember, you know, I don't, my parents never really talked to me a lot about the traditional quote unquote path to success of going to 
college, getting a job, staying with that job for 30 years, putting money away for retirement, and then drawing on your pension and retiring. That that path never really was made very clear to me. Um, it was always, what are you going to do to make money to support your family kind of a thing. And and a job was just one option. And I'm I'm very fortunate that way, I think, where a lot of kids are not even given that option very, very much. Right. And so my childhood growing up was filled with ideas and ways to try to make money. And like a lot of kids, you know, I was selling and trading baseball cards and I was going door to door. I was, we would go uh, down to Louisiana, you go catch crawfish and we would catch big buckets of crawfish and go sell them in the neighborhood. And so I was always kind of entrepreneurial. I just, it, ne- it never was a really a question of if I was going to own my own business. It was a question of when and what kind. I remember even after high school, sitting on the back of a buddy of mine's pickup truck. It was a day after we graduated high school, we were talking about our future. And he was like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go work with your dad now? And I said, I don't know. We might. And I might do that. And he said, well, what are you going to call it? Brockner and son? And I said, no, we're going to call it Brockner and father. <laughs> I always knew I was going to be the, the boss, so to speak. Uh-huh. But yeah, I just had deep roots that way. Yeah, I'm sure your dad wouldn't want it any other way, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So, so that for for you in a lot of ways, that just was was the default path. And so, so yeah. where, so as you started to then explore down that that journey, where where did that where did that take you? What were some of the some of the roads you took? Well, I did go to college. I went to Boise State University. I uh, moved up to Idaho when I was you know eighteen. I uh, went to school. Um, I graduated with a degree in international business, uh, but only because I'm fluent in Spanish and I could test out of the language portion. I didn't, I didn't put any more forethought into my degree other than that. Just having um, a good time. Yeah. I, and, and I, and, you know, I went into, I kind of wanted to go into finance. I wanted to be a money manager, like a Warren Buffett type. That was like my, sort of my, my dream when I was in college and, I was very interested in that. So I went to work for a uh, financial services firm selling annuities and life insurance policies, that kind of a thing. And I figured it would be a good way for me to kind of learn the ropes of the financial world and meet with clients and that sort of thing. And it was basically my own business. I mean, I, it was commission only. You know, I didn't get a salary or any kind of stipend or anything like that. I didn't even get a draw. I mean, it was, you sell, you make, you know, 50% of whatever you sell. And the rest goes to us. And so anyway, that's how I started. And um, I remember I had landed a, uh, the, the, one of the partners, the guys that was running the office here in, in Boise, he had a client, a really wealthy client, um, prospective client. And the guy wanted a, an annuity and the annuity paid like a 3% commission. And the guy had a million dollars. So the, there was a $30,000 commission on the line. And I remember I had gone back and had looked at that annuity and did some research on it. And I, and I, I stumbled on this other annuity that was new. It was from a newer company. It was the exact same annuity. All of the features were exactly the same. Um, but because it was new and they were having a harder time selling it or getting agents to sell it, which is common uh, with new products, agents aren't as, you know, they, they like to sell tried and true things. So they, they had, uh, did a promo on this annuity and the commission was 18%. Wow. So you could either make <laughs> like 30% grand to 18. on the one hand or 180 grand on the other. And so I told him, I said, look, this annuity, I have researched, I've talked to the company. 
I've talked to both companies. I've, I've done a side-by-side comparison. These are exactly the same. The, the only difference is it's a name brand. That's it. You know, it's, it's like buying, you know, Tylenol versus g- g- generic aspirin off the, off the shelf. Uh, they're the same exact product. They just one had a brand name on it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, he's not going to go for that because he wants the brand name. And I said, well, why don't you let me pitch him this one and you pitch him that one and we'll see which one he takes. And if he takes mine, then we made a bunch of money. And if he takes yours, no, no harm, no foul. And he said, okay. And I said, look, if he takes mine, then I want you to split the money with the commission. And he said, okay. And so we went in and he, you know, he kind of smirked. He wasn't, he didn't think the guy was going to buy it, but the guy took my, my annuity. He took my sales presentation over his sales presentation. And we made 180 grand. I was 25 years old. I made $90,000 in one day. And I thought I was the richest man in the world. Yeah, man. You're ready to retire. It was crazy. And, and so I took half that money, 45000 I put it in a checking account for my wife to spend to, to support us. And I took the other 45000 and I started a marketing company with it. Finding more. I want more. I want more prospects like that. Mm. Right? And so I hired a bunch of my old classmates in college that were... Uh, that that could do phone calls for me just back then, you know, this was 2003 ish four. you could, people actually had landlines. You could call them. They'd answer the phone. Right. And they would set appointments for me. And so I'd go on these appointments and then I, it got to where I was getting too many appointments. I couldn't go to all of them. So I started selling those leads, those appointments to other insurance agents. And I started making more money doing that than I was selling insurance. And so that's how I got into marketing. I started my first marketing company. I graduated in December of 02. And I started that marketing company in, in August of 03. So about eight months from then is when I started it. And I, I got lucky, you know, obviously, I mean, I had a prospect kind of fall on my lap. And, but I also had the balls to put together a presentation against my boss, you know, and risk the threat of making him look bad or whatever. But I knew it was a, I knew it was a good move. So that's how I got started. Wow, that's a yeah, pretty pretty exciting uh, part of the journey. And as you said, yeah, uh, it just also points to the fact that you know a lot about entrepreneurship. It isn't about having a plan. It's more about responding to and to what shows up, right, to the environment. Because yeah, taking taking the opportunities as they come for sure. Yeah, and and even um, being willing to try things, like the example of yeah. you know hiring your buddies to um, to help you out. Well, that in and of itself led you down a path of a different type of business model, right? That you yeah. never would have experienced or known had you not taken that path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm curious then. So as you, as you went along your, your entrepreneurship journey, um, you know, kind of tying back to what you're doing with the repurpose initiative. I mean, at, at, at some point you kind of saw this, this, this value of, you know your your network, right? Your community as an entrepreneur to to survive and, and to, to to thrive. Um, I mean, what were some of your experiences as an entrepreneur where that really shone for you? Really made the difference? Yeah, you know, I mean, I started my career like most entrepreneurs do, very uh, isolated and kind of doing it all on my own. Like I, I had all my friends, quote unquote, my friends. They were all same age as me. College, just graduated from college, left. They went and got jobs. None of them started a business like I did. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to uh, about what I was going through. I didn't really have that network in place. All of the people that I knew 
In fact, I remember my, my wife's grandfather, my, my uh, wife's cousin and I had graduated college around the same time. And we, he, he sat us down. He was a pharmacist for Albertsons for 45 years. And he retired and uh, Albertsons, you know, cut their pension and all these other things. And he was dead broke. I mean, he was living on Social Security. But I remember he sat us down and he said, hey, listen, you guys have graduated. Here's what you need to do. Go find a good job at a big corporation, work there for 45 years, contribute to your 401k and your pension and retire without any debt. And, I, I remember, and, he, and he left. And I remember I looked over at my cousin-in-law, my Aaron, and I said, he's broke. I said, I'm not taking advice from him. You know, I love him. He's a great guy, means well, but I'm not taking career advice from someone who's dead broke. And so I went and started a business. Aaron went and got a job somewhere and just has struggled and struggled and struggled this, this time. I mean, he had a very narrow, limited uh, skill set. And uh, when he got laid off, it was really hard for him to find another job because his, his, he had this really esoteric kind of skill set in engineering. Uh, that didn't translate well to other industries. And so it was just, you know, that, that was sort of my experience up to that point is I didn't have anyone to sort of bounce these ideas off of or talk to, or everyone thought so differently than I did. And I remember thinking like, I wish I could find like people who thought like I, like I do. <laughs> right. And so I, I started looking online and I run across Dan Kennedy and, you know, big time marketing, anyone who's been in marketing for any period of time has, has probably run across Dan Kennedy's stuff. And, I remember just consuming his information. I subscribed to his monthly newsletter. And then uh, he, they had put together this program called the uh, Independent Business Advisor Program, where you could uh, act as a sort of a representative of their company and sell their newsletter uh, in, a, in a particular geographic area. So I was given the Idaho area. Um, and I, I was, we would get 40, 50, 60 business owners in a room once a month to have lunch and I would always do a presentation on marketing and I would bring in other keynote speakers on various business topics, sales or HR stuff or tax stuff or investing, whatever. And um, I, so I started to, to, to network with these other business owners and build a, build a network that way and started up some mastermind groups. Um, I had, at one point, I had three mastermind groups going. They had six people in them each. Mm. We'd do them once a month for four hours. Uh, I would feed them lunch and uh, like a nice catered lunch. And we would, and I really didn't do anything other than moderate. I just kept the conversation flowing, but I wasn't giving advice or anything like that. Um, and it was fascinating to be able to sit in these meetings as kind of a fly on the wall and listen to what these guys were talking about and, and watching them develop and grow their businesses. And they were paying me to do this <laughs> for me to just sit there and listen to them. But uh, some, of those, some of those people in those groups have become lifelong friends. And, and so that was one of the ways that I sort of, I don't know, combated that isolation factor. Right. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur. Building your own network and, and right. uh, just see, seeing the power of, of masterminds too, right? Just, yeah. Just to help yeah. each other and, and so on. And at some point, did you, after that, did you like join a mastermind yourself? I mean, or how, how did you, how did you get advice other than being the fly on the wall? Yeah, I've joined several masterminds. I even wrote a book. Uh, mastermind group blueprint. Uh, people kept asking me, how do you start a mastermind group? How do you start a mastermind group? So I, I wrote a book on how to start and grow a mastermind group. Um, but I would join other mastermind groups uh, myself. I was always kind of part of coaching programs or 
or uh, online mastermind groups. Um, I always, it's funny because, you know, I always, I always paid to be a mastermind because I, I was in free ones. I was in like loose sort of consortiums with other people who, and, and they always fell apart because they weren't paying. They didn't, you know, they didn't have to be there. So I charged for my mastermind groups, I was charging 300 bucks a month, which at the time was a lot of money. Um, I wasn't really making a lot of that. I mean, once I paid for the lunch and the venue and materials and all that, I wasn't making a ton of money on it. And I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it to demonstrate the seriousness of the mastermind of showing up and being there. I wanted people to take it seriously. And so that, that was, that was a big thing. And I, and I feel like that pay to play model is really what makes it successful. And so I've never really sought out free mastermind groups. I've always looked for ones that people had to pay. And it wasn't because I wanted to pay. It was, I wanted other people to pay because I wanted them to show up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it raises the bar, right? Instead of just, you know, another, you know, I mean, these days there's a kajillion Facebook groups and I'm in, you know, way too many, but for most of them, I'm not, I'm not even really paying attention to them, you know, but, right. uh, but in the, in those, in those paid things like the mastermind, you and I were, were in until recently, you know, um, cost a few dollars <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were showing up and contributing and, and the, the, um, the connection, the people like the quality of the people in there, um, is the best I've ever been in, in, in any kind of yeah, mastermind. For sure. that, that was, I mean, that was a, you know, people look at, I remember somebody asked me, they're like, well, did you get your money back out of that? And it was a really hard question to answer because on, on the one hand, I can't point to, dollar amounts in my bank account say that came from there that I probably could, but I I haven't taken the time to really do that. But what it did for me was it it was really a mindset shift more than anything. Um, And it it really underscored the importance of having those networks in place, particularly right now. So as the world kind of goes to crap, you know, and everybody is sort of being forced to isolate, these online networks have become even more important that we have those solid structures in place. And there are a lot of people who there a, a former business partner of mine he would never be online his whole thing was i'm going to go out and i'm going to meet people and like face to face and that that was his his stick you know that was his whole thing and i'm like it's not an either or to me it's a both and like you should be doing both of those things and he just would not do it and i i can only imagine like i'm not in touch with him anymore but i can only imagine the hell that he's going through right now by not being able to go out and, and network with people. And, and he built his entire persona and brand on this foundation that has now crumbled underneath his feet. And so when I started Repurpose Initiative, initially, um, I, had, I had conceived of the idea six years ago, and it was going to be a local only type of a deal where we had in-person meetings and all of these things. And you have to remember six years ago, Facebook groups really didn't exist. Uh, Skype and Zoom like this, like we're communicating, they were very unstable. They weren't nearly as reliable as they are now. Uh, that people weren't used to doing it this way. They weren't used to doing these virtual meetings. And so I think at the time for it to be completely online, it was a little bit of ahead of its time. Now it's like a perfect time to launch it. Top of mind, people are like feeling the pain. They want that connection still. They want to build those relationships still. And Repurpose Initiative gives them a really great opportunity to do that. Yeah, in fact, I mean, right now it's it's the only way, right? <laughs> right. Um, since we're all uh, you know confined to our houses. And I said, and once this thing gets lifted, I want to have a version of Repurpose Initiative Local where we'll go back to doing these in-person meetings. 
But I'm just, you know, kind of thinking along the lines of I'm glad I'm not tied to one or the other, you know. Um, I'm glad that I have the option that if, okay, in-person networking stuff has gone by the wayside, I still have the online thing and my business isn't completely destroyed because, because of that situation. Now let's take a, let's take a little bit of a dive into then what the repurpose initiative actually is, right? Because I mean, there's tons of things out there, tons of coaching programs and other masterminds, and you know, clearly you've been to a number of them yourself. So, what makes Repurpose Initiative different? Like, what's what's its primary purpose for you? What what's it trying to achieve that you won't necessarily find somewhere else? Yeah, and and to answer that question properly, it needs a little bit of context, and and it all sort of started with my grandfather when. When he was, uh, I was 13 years old, he was 55 and he was diagnosed with cancer and passed away very quickly, like within six months. I mean, it was, he, it just went deteriorated very quickly. And like I said, in, in the beginning of the show here, he was very successful, a very successful entrepreneur. He had started a small finance company that in rural Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana, where I, where I was born, where the Duck Dynasty guys are, if you're familiar with them. Um, and he grew that company into millions of dollars in revenue. And this was, we're talking the 70s, 80s, you know. And, um, he, but he was, he was a lot like I am. He's just very quiet, very introverted, didn't talk a whole lot to people and never shared how he built that business. And I remember it, that didn't really hit me how tragic that was until I was an adult and starting my own company and thinking, man, I wish I could talk to my grandfather who had all this experience and all this knowledge and all this expertise, and he's not here. All that died inside of him. And I remember thinking, like, what a tragedy that really was. And like, how? What if there are a way I could prevent that from happening to other entrepreneurs? Like, what if there are a way to actually take all of the knowledge and experience and expertise out of someone's head, package it up in a way that would be deliverable to a group of people, a community of people who could benefit from it? What would that do? And, and so that's, what I, that's where the idea for Repurpose Initiative came from, is, is from my grandfather and from that experience of him dying with all that information left inside of him. And so what it is, is it's, a, it's basically a crowdsourced platform of courses and coaching uh, and accountability groups. So there's, there's three pillars to it. So the first one is member-provided training. And anytime a new person joins Repurpose Initiative as a new member, they agree to provide a training in their area of expertise, 30 to 60 minute training. And it doesn't have to be that long. It, it can be longer, or it can be shorter, whatever. It's just, that's kind of the guideline that I set in place. And I try to set a minimum. So that there's a sort of an even playing field that everybody has a little bit of table stakes to the game um, so that it maintains the integrity of the group. So you don't have people just coming in who are taking and not giving. So 30 minute to 60 minute training um, in their area of expertise. Uh, so it, it could be really anything. I mean, if somebody comes in and they're an expert and say hiring, you know, teams of Filipino VAs, they could do a training on something like that. And then if I want to go in and, and consume that training, I can. It's available to me inside the portal. Um, this, that, that, so that's the first pillar is the member provided training. But the second pillar is if you are going through that training and you get stuck or you have questions or you just want to pick the brain of the person who made the training, that's where the second pillar comes in. And that's peer to peer coaching. And so the peer-to-peer -peer coaching is, uh, I, I create a training and maybe you're going through that training and you have some questions. Well, underneath the training is a calendar with my availability. And I make myself available 5, 10, 15 times a month for 30 minutes, whatever it is, a minimum of five, but you can do as many as, as you want. 
And you may get on there and, and jump on my calendar. And then we have a Zoom call like this and you pick my brain. You say, hey, I went through your training or I have some questions about this or can you take a look at my sales funnel for me? You know, whatever the it is. And so you have the ability to get personalized, real-time feedback and coaching from someone who is an expert in a particular field. And then I may, as you're picking my brain, I may be on somebody else's training and learning how to set up an accounting system for my coaching business or whatever it is. And then I can get on that person's training or, or calendar rather. And so it, it's, as everyone sort of contributes to the group as a whole, the, that rising tide lifts all our boats. And so those are the first two pillars. And then the third pillar is something you and I are both really familiar with, these accountability groups, um, where you get you know four, five, six people uh, on a Zoom call and everyone kind of takes a turn and, and talks about what their goals are for the week. And, and uh, it's a little rah-rah session to keep everybody motivated and held accountable. And so those are the three, the first two pieces, the member provided training and the peer to peer coaching, those are required of every member that comes in. And then the third one, the accountability groups are optional. If you want to join when you can, but you're not required to. So that's how the program works um, in, a, in a nutshell. Well, that's, what's really interesting about that to me, and particularly, you know, um, like the, both the training and, and the coaching. I mean, it, it really is just, I think that would really just help lower the barrier, right? To making connections with a, like the right people and, right. and, and lowering the barrier to, to making the ask, right? Cause a lot of times, you know, people might feel awkward or they might not know the person directly, but, but you've kind of created this, this way of, of, you know, creating that expectation that it's okay. Yeah. Right. I and, call it built in reciprocity where you're, if you're in like a traditional Facebook group or something like that, and you go in and, and they, they, you're told deliver value, you know, lead with value and, and give and give and give. And sometimes, it, and the expectation is that it's going to come back to you. It doesn't always come back to you. I mean, let, let's be frank, you know, so you give and give and give, and sometimes it doesn't come back. The repurpose initiative platform builds that right into it. So everyone has to provide a training and make themselves available for a minimum number of coaching calls. So you know that if you're getting on someone's calendar, it's because they have come to the table and said, yes, I'm willing to be there for you and help you. And, and I think when you asked earlier, what makes you know, Repurpose different than any other coaching program out there? I think that's the biggest thing. This is sort of like an Uber or a Wikipedia where the numbers of everyone kind of coming in and contributing is what makes it different, where you're not having to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on courses and coaching to get specific bits of information. Um, I don't need to pay a business coach $1,000 a month to have them help me set up a Facebook ad account. You know, I could, I could just go and I could watch someone's training on how to do that. And then if I have questions or need additional guidance, I can jump on their calendar for 30 minutes and get my problem solved. And it doesn't cost me thousands of dollars. And that's the biggest difference. What are some of the, what are some of the range of topics that you've got? I mean, you just recently launched. So I mean, things are just yeah. really getting hopping now. But like, what are, what, what's kind of the range of, of topics people could find right now if they were to check it out? Yeah, and that's been really fun for me the last couple of weeks because I'm the one that's been loading all the trainings in. I kind of wanted to set a consistency in the aesthetic and all that sort of thing. And so I, I was trying to, I did it all myself to sort of work that out. I'll, I'll outsource that eventually to my assistant. But um, it's, it's been beneficial in a, in a sense that I've also gotten to see all of the different kinds of things that people are contributing. I mean, we've had stuff anywhere from like, uh, if, if any of your listeners went to uh, Funnel Hacking Live uh, earlier this year, Gabe Schillinger did a presentation on contest funnels. 
And um, he did a expanded training inside there for contest funnels and how to launch and, and run a contest funnel. I've had people uh, on hiring practices, like how to hire employees. Uh, there's been a training in there about how to hire uh, teams of Filipino VAs. There's been trainings in there, um, even down to like family and relationship type stuff. Like I, we have a member who uh, is an expert in homeschooling, and she created a training on how to set up and structure homeschool stuff for that's people, which is really top of mind right super now. Super relevant right now, yeah. Really relevant. <laughs> so that's been pretty cool. Um, there's been Facebook ad training. There has been uh, Google AdWords training. There's been uh, business growth. There's like a ton of stuff on like mindset, on getting unstuck, on uh, offer creation. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And that's kind of the point of the whole thing is to like, the two things that make repurpose initiative work are numbers and variety. I need lots of numbers and lots of people, the more people, the better, and a wide swath of topics that are business related that people can choose from to learn from. There, there's things in there that, you know, uh, somebody has submitted a, a, a training on um, how to read body language in sales situations. I don't think that's ever something I would go out and look for. I wouldn't type in, you know, how to read body language, but I stumble on it inside of Repurpose Initiative and it piques my interest. And I go, man, that's, that's cool. I never would have thought of that. And I go through and I watch the training and then I can get on that person's calendar and pick their brain a little bit about how, you know, any questions that I have or how it works. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's really a unique platform. And I've, I'm, I'm really, really pleased with how it turned out. It, uh, you know, you always have something in your head as an, as an, uh, you know, you imagine how something would work and this has actually come together better than even I imagined it would. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds a lot like a, almost like a, a Netflix for entrepreneurship, right? I mean, yeah, a, but imagine you could reach out to the, the director of the film and talk to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix plus. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And I imagine too, as you get to build these connections, right? That creates opportunities for collaborations or partnerships, or even just to hire someone to, to do stuff for you. You can't so. get a bunch of smart people in a room virtually or otherwise, and not expect big things to happen. Business happen. You know, the, the, even though that's not the purpose of the group, like it's not a way for someone to come in and build their generate leads or, or, or build their sales pipeline or, you know, heaven forbid, add people to their downline in an MLM. That's not what this is for. I can't imagine that won't happen. Like I said, you get a bunch of smart people in a room, they're going to do business with one another. But um, that, that's just more of an ancillary side benefit from being in the group. But the main po point of the whole group is to learn and to pro provide feedback to other people. And, and as a result, as I said, uh, uh, create a tide that lifts all our boats. Mm. Awesome. So, so what would you say is like kind of your, your long-term vision for... Um... Repurpose initiative, like what's what's the, the dent in the universe to quote street jobs that you'd really hope to make? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I just I I really I want thousands and thousands of members to be a part of this to um, have the ability to create their own legacy to get that their own information and their own experience and expertise out of their head and into the portals to the for the benefit of other people and making. Uh, not one big dent in the universe, but thousands or millions of tiny little dents in the universe. It's almost like that, a, cumulatively yeah. speaking, make a huge impact on the world. That's that's my long term vision. Is is I just every time I get a new training in, or I reach out to somebody and I talk to them for a purpose, I've got my grandfather in the back of my head just looking down and and silently applauding and saying, "This is 
this is good work you're doing. Mm. Um, uh, that that's really what I want out of this whole thing. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah, what what a what a legacy that's going to be. Right. So, where where can people find out more about the Repurpose Initiative and um, and where can they get in touch with you online? Yeah, repurposeinitiative.org is the main web address. Um, there is a uh, option. I'm doing a. Uh, there's a webinar that's available if you want to get a kind of a higher level, a uh, deeper dive into how this all works and what it looks like. And it's repurposeinitiative.org forward slash webinar. Um, online, you can find me anywhere, Facebook or Instagram. It's just Toby Brockner, T-O-B-E. Uh, it's my first name, Brockner. I'm on LinkedIn as well. But uh, those are the main channels that I'm on. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll definitely include those in the, in the show notes as well for people to, to check out. But yeah, Toby, I'm really, really excited about what you're doing here. And I mean, this, this podcast is all about um, leveraging community, right, to, to help us all move forward. And um, I think the Repurse Initiative is, is a perfect example of what we can do when you know, we do reach out and we do help each other um, and rise each other's boats. So I'm excited yeah. for it. Thanks for being on the show yeah. today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your app so you never miss a future episode. And when you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, you help more people discover and then transform their lives through the powerful life-changing stories on this podcast. I invite you also to share something that you heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation. Share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that build connections, that's when momentum happens. I'll see you in the next episode.